Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Olympic Coaching Podcast today. And I'm continuing on with an interview I had with Christian Larson today, but we're talking about energy systems today. And I want you to really listen with intention today and so you can hear the the value that not only I and Olympic Coaching put on our programming, but also what coaches and athletes should put a value into their training and everything. So let this podcast be something that increases your understanding today enjoy it. If you really want to have someone who helps program for you and helps put more intention into your exercise and fitness and your programming, then give us a shout out. Uh, reach out to me on caleb.linfit on Instagram or even visit linfit.com to start up those programs that I'm really, really um, excited about programming and helping people reach new levels of fitness that they may not have thought possible and everything. So, But let's dive into the podcast today and let's level up. So now I want to attack energy systems. And so this is a fascinating topic. Um, and it's, I think it's a topic that is uh, thrown out there. Maybe it's a word that some people have heard or a lot of people have heard, but like very few truly understand not right. just what it actually is, but also like how to develop it. Um, right. Especially like, I think a lot of coaches are just sort of, willy-nilly like they're working they only program what they did for themselves that work for themselves right or uh or they're just sort of doing whatever the they feel like of that day or week you know mm-hmm. instead of being really intentional about planning it out so right. i want to attack this uh topic a little bit and really get a better understanding and kind of put it in terms that people can truly understand sure. uh, whether they're a coach or an athlete so yeah. um First question for you about energy systems. I'm, and I just want to hear what you say. And right. I mean, we, we can go back and forth on this because this is fun. Um, yeah. We both have a lot of experience and also study in energy systems. But um, so it's an important topic in exercise science. Right. So let's first just define like what are they and why should we care about sure. energy systems? Sure. Um, okay. So I think you can dig really deep into these, but I also think you can have a very general understanding that will help influence your training. Uh, so the three energy path, there's different names for them, but the first energy pathway, also known as if you read NSCA stuff, the alactic acid system, it's also called the phosphocreatine system. It's also called the creatine phosphate system, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so the first energy pathway, there's really two parts to it. Uh, there's stored ATP. So if, if you guys aren't, biology people atp is our energy currency so it's a it's a molecule you cut off the last phosphate group you get mechanical work so just think of it that way all of our energy systems are designed to generate atp so they all have an end product of atp for energy production Um, the first energy pathway is really two parts it's stored atp so in your muscle there's some stored atp it's super heavy though so you can't store much of it. Um, and I, the, just to give you an idea how good our bodies are at creating ATP, um, if you're listening to, let's say you listen to this podcast and a few more and you sit for an hour. Well, if your body kept all that stored ATP just in that hour while you're sitting and watching, you'd gain about 10 pounds. So oh. ATP is super heavy. Yeah. yeah. If you did one training session, one fairly high intensity training session for an hour, you could gain up to 200 pounds if you stored all the ATP. So ATP is heavy, but it's, it's necessary. That's how we 
get energy. So you have stored ATP, not very much of it for obvious reasons. Then you can store about 10 times more CP than ATP. So creatine phosphate, super popular um, ergogenic aid, right? Supplement people take creatine. The whole goal is to store more CP in the cell so you can have more phosphate available to regenerate ATP. High energy system, uh, and all of these are basically you bias them by intensity, right? And anytime you want to jump in here, Caleb, if to, to explain something a little bit better, how you want to explain it, do it. Yeah. So, I mean, like ATP, picture it as like the gasoline for your car. Your car has this combustion engine that literally lights something on fire. Yep. Um, and so like ATP is our gasoline for our body's engine. And that whenever that explosion happens to use that ATP, it busts off a of phosphate. Right. And that creatine phosphate um that cp is just like an added bank of phosphate so like after you burn that atp you got to add a, a phosphate from the creatine phosphate to remake that atp to keep the cycle going for a right. short period of time while it's still there right <laughs> so that's it and that's i love those explanations because it's just trying to put it in terms that we all understand right mm -hmm. and so there's your their first energy pathway those two um Second energy pathway is, is also called the lactic acid system. Uh, it's also called anaerobic glycolysis. Uh, but the main, the main substrate for the second energy pathway is glucose or carbohydrate, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have stored glucose in the muscle called glycogen. You also have stored glucose in the liver. Um, you use glycogen in, from the muscle first. At night, your brain likes, likes sugar, so it'll use liver glycogen, so you're depleted at night from, from that source. Um, Second energy pathway, relatively high intensity. So the first energy pathway, you're going to bias that by doing super fast sprints, really heavy, you know, one RM, two RM type stuff uh, and explosive stuff. So snatches, cleans, um, not repetitive ones, right? So in CrossFit, we can do high, high volume cleans. That's more second energy pathway work because mm -hmm. you extend that intensity out longer, but that really high level, basically, if you go let's just picture yourself sprinting and you go all out. You don't let, let up at all. You just go as hard as you possibly can. It'll be about your, your ATP from your first energy pathway will only last about 10 seconds in that situation. Um, and then you have, sometimes people will say, well, I sprinted a whole mile. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> you sprinted the first little bit and then you slow exactly. down to whatever then you, jog then your body you made left. You. <laughs> <laughs> then your body made you slow down because you got, you get too acidic. So part of that process is when there's a lot of ATP being made quickly, you have a lot of hydrogen ion, which is acidic and your body regulates pH really closely or else cells start dying. So you get a lot That's, of acidity. So you start feeling that burn. <laughs> oh, big time. That's the burn. That's yeah. feeling the burn. So that's second energy pathway is relatively high intensity. So it's still, if you, if you ran the 400, like Caleb did, I think in high school, I heard uh, so bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's a second energy pathway. So you're talking 40 seconds to a minute or, you know, minute 10. Uh, and that, that really biases that second energy pathway because that time period and the intensity level. So glucose, if we want to talk cellular res respiration, that happens in the sarcoplasm and then the third energy pathway is the aerobic energy pathway, uh, and that is with oxygen. So mitochondrial training is aerobic training. Um, so in that mitochondria, you get mostly breakdown of fat. Fat has to have oxygen to be broken down. It's slower, so lower intensity. Is that like right now, Caleb and I, and you, if you're watching this, 65 to 70% of your ATP is coming from fat breakdown because 
you have plenty of time. There's no rush, right? All three energy pathways are always being used, but you bias them with intensity. So that's our third energy pathway. So if we really, really want to get good at that, we want to work in three minute plus time domains, you know, probably 65 to 80% of your heart rate max. That's generally how we, we measure intensity with aerobic training. Um, but yeah, so there's your, there's your energy pathways. Yeah. So like, uh, you mentioned like you bias towards intensity and so like that can affect, uh, like whatever kind of athlete you want to be or whatever kind of individual you want to be that can affect, you know, which energy system you should care more about. So like yeah. if you're a power lifter and you live for that, you know, one rep max, um, yeah. then you might be hanging out in that first energy pathway, um, pretty often. Yeah. Um, and maybe in training, you're tapping into the second one sometimes. Right. Uh, Cause most of your sets are just these short bursts and you take significant rest to recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're in sort of a, a sport that has a lot of explosive efforts with rest in between, you might have a mix of the first two energy pathways that you're really biasing towards. And so you need to train that. And if you're in a very endurance based sport and that can be a mixture of a lot of things where right. like most, I mean, many, many sports, competitive sports are require a certain level of endurance and they just have a certain number of explosive efforts, which can affect what train training you do. So explosive effort, I mean, it's just like, you got to be fast or jump or do something where you got to be athletic, like move faster than move quickly. Yeah. Respond to it. Yep. So like, for example, soccer is a very endurance heavy sport, um, soccer, football. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I'll say American American football to consider that. So in football worldwide, outside of America, they call it football. So Americans are weird. They call it soccer, but, um, anyways, that, soccer or football is really endurance based, but that you have to sprint sometimes if you're near the ball. And so that's an explosive effort. So mm-hmm. you have to use tap into all energy systems. We might meet predominantly in that third one quite a bit. So, and it um, might even by, by, be by position. Like with soccer, my, my youngest daughter is huge into soccer. My, my wife was a high level soccer athlete. And even if you go by positions in soccer, midfielders have to cover a lot more field than a, than a forward. And mm-hmm. so forwards might, but forwards have to attack really quickly and do a ton of sprinting. And so a lot of times in soccer, you'll see the forwards are the faster, more explosive athletes. The midfielders are, can, are kind of a mixture. And then defenders yeah. are taller, maybe not quite as fast, but taller um, and can move as well, but that's their specific job. So it's really interesting if you go by sport as well. Yeah. Fascinating. That means like, even as a coach, like, you really got to study each position of every sport to understand what their demands are because your training program could look totally different for every yeah. position. But so you, you understand, once we understand like what our bias source sort of needs to be, or even sort of a lack of bias, like if you're in a very general strength conditioning program right. and trying to develop in every area, um, how do you actually train for a specific energy system? Like how do you develop a capacity in each one? Yeah. Um, that's the cool part about, about exercise and, and you can definitely, I want to hear your take on this as well, but there's not just one way that's the right way. There's multiple ways that you can attack um, development in different energy systems. Now there might be one way that you need to use if you want to peak in that. Um, and it's really interesting too, because I've seen CrossFit in the Midwest and I've seen CrossFit in, in Denver, uh, Colorado, and they look way different. Oh yeah. And, and, and the bias for almost 
majority of athletes in Colorado are endurance based. So CrossFit programming there is much heavier on long, slow distance work that I've seen in the, in the gyms I've been to than it is on powerlifting strength, uh, Olympic lifting type of stuff. So they'll do that, but they'll have much more of a, an aerobic bent to them, aerobic capacity bent. And so their programming looks different, right? They have a lot more programming that's in the longer uh, time domains with less uh, load, um, covering distances, rowing, running, you know, whatever they need to do. Um, but the biochemistry, I think, drives the, the, the programming. And so we talk about nutrition and diet a lot, but really what we're talking about is the, the biochemistry of how we generate ATP. And if we have that understanding, like you just said, of the energy pathways, then we can use a whole lot of different tools uh, to, to work in each one that we might want to. Um, and just so you, if you guys are looking for books to read on this, and, and uh, Kaylin and I talked about this earlier, but there's a book called Triphasic by Cal Dietz. Um, and that's a book. It's really, really good. You can find a free e-copy online if you just Google it. Um, but that book does a great job of energy pathway training, but in an SPP environment. So specific um, physical preparedness. So like for a field or court sport, right? So that's what that's talking about. Block periodization for soccer athlete, football athlete, hockey. He gives a bunch of different examples. Then he wrote a book, another book called uh, Tactical Training Manual, which is a lot thinner book, but it's a GPP training manual. So he basically wrote it for law enforcement, SWAT, military, um, because those people, they can't afford to, they can't afford to have a heavy training day that, that they can't perform the next day from right? They, they can't afford to do that because they have to be able to perform every day. Mm -hmm. So it's a much more GPP based program where you focus on everything, but wherever you're weak, you add an extra day in. So if you're weak in aerobic capacity, you would just add a, another day of that into your training week. So you can bias that to get stronger at it. Mm -hmm. um, but generally you, uh, you work intensity and time domain to bias a specific energy pathway. So for example, if I wanted to, um, if I wanted to bias uh, the first energy pathway with running, I would do really high-end sprint repeats, 40 meters at the longest. But usually, I would stay like in the 20-yard to 20-meter, you know, 20 to 30-yard mark, um, with probably a five or even 10 to one rest ratio. Right. So as hard as we possibly can, full recovery as hard as we possibly can. And so you're not going to end up getting super fatigued from that. You'll get sore the next day. Yeah. <laughs> your hamstrings will be sore. Yeah. Uh, but the goal isn't to increase your heart rate. The goal is to work your first energy pathway as much as you possibly can. Those really, those type 2B fibers to really hit those as much as you can. And you can't do that if you start grinding through a training session. You're yeah. going to buy a second energy pathway, right? So that's how I would do it. If we just keep running, the, the scenario. That's how I do it with running. Uh, if we want to do second energy pathway with running, uh, I would do two to 400 meter sprint repeats. <laughs> Again, mm. not quite as long of a rest ratio because we want to keep working glycogen. So the rest ratio is going to be shorter, maybe a three to one or a two to one. Um, and that's how we do that. And then if we want to bias it with a run, we can do intervals to, to bias or to get aerobic adaptation. Um, but if we really just want to work in aerobic capacity, it's just going to be long, slow distance. How, how long do we want to run? Right. Yeah. And that's simple, but I think it is clear anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's good to know. Like if you actually want to work on a weakness, then you actually need to care about the programming. It's not about like, if you feel like you got a workout, especially with that first energy pathway, you're like, why am I resting for like two minutes for this 20 meter sprint? You know, right. <laughs> uh, you know, like it might feel sort of ridiculous for people, especially if they're like in the gym or like, coach, why is our rest so long? I'm like ready for my next set. He's like, well, if you want to get stronger, you got to rest. Listen right. to me, you know? So like, that's good for an athlete to hear. Uh, because like, if you actually want to get gains or actually improve in an area of weakness, you got to actually care about the programming. Oh man. And uh, you nailed it. That is the biggest, and that's probably the, uh, the biggest psychological factor that, uh, we run into is that first energy pathway training, right? Whether it's doing, you know, 10 sets of two at 90% with, a, you know, some places like Pavel, um, strong first will even recommend like a 10 minute rest period to totally recover. Um, and it's like, what, what is this doing? Well, if you stick with that training methodology over time, you're definitely going to see what it does because you're going to get stronger. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's so hard in our minds. It's like, I'm not, I'm supposed to be working out. Why yeah. am I sweating? Why don't I feel the burn? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. And, and, uh, it, even which area you're trying to grow in or which area you're trying to develop can influence your nutrition as well. Like you mentioned, uh, for that glycolytic pathway, that second energy pathway that, um, it's very carb heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, your body wants to use stored glycogen, um, in whatever form. And so like how, just a quick question, how does nutrition influence that? Like your general nutrition, because I mean, there's tons of fad diets out there. Yeah. Um, how can a certain way that you're eating influence your ability to perform in a certain energy pathway? Absolutely. So great question. And I think it's super pertinent now because of all the different diets that are out there. Um, once you understand biochemistry, that should guide how you're eating. Now, obviously food quality plays a big part in this. And, and you would be the one that I would ask questions. Like I was asking you questions about fish oils the other day. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I know your, your expertise there. I know biochemistry, but application, I want to hear from people like you who have been through that training and that program with, with PN and know that stuff. But um, if you just get down to it, uh, there's the keto diet, for example, Keto diet is very popular and I've, and I've talked to people who've had really good results, results with it. And it depends on what your goals are. Right. So the people I've talked to who are on a keto diet, their goal is to lose weight. Um, they were probably eating a lot of simple and refined carbohydrate, which doesn't help you feel very good. Um, you just, oh, general, I, that's my experience. I just don't feel great when I'm eating a lot of junk food. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're probably eating that. And then they totally went away from carbohydrates and went to a very heavy fat and then protein diet. Cause I think it's like 80% fat. If you're on a keto yeah, diet, pretty high 70% or higher. Yeah. Very high. So, and, and the big thing, if you're out, are out there and you're on one of these, make sure you get your blood done uh, because some people respond well to it, but there's some people whose triglyceride levels and cholesterol levels just skyrocket. And you don't want to be on a keto diet if that is what happens. Cause it's going to basically, it's going to push you towards cardiovascular disease and you don't want that to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but with the keto diet, let's say your body's responding well to a keto diet. Um, if you go out and try to play soccer, you're going to be in big trouble and you'll feel it because, and there's a lot of study and research on this. So if you're on a low carb diet, your, your glycogen stores drop, 
And as, as your glycogen stores drop, stop, or drop, that's a fuel source that's diminished. It's like um, if you want to drive a long distance and you only fill up with you know the highest octane, but only two gallons, it doesn't matter that it's the best octane gas, you're still going to run out of it, mm -hmm. right? And you're going to stop going. So um, if, if you're on a keto diet and all you do is long, slow distance and really high intensity first energy pathway stuff, you probably will be fine. You're not going to feel that, right? Yeah. But if you're doing some, if you're doing CrossFit or you play a quarter field sport and you try to go low carb and you're like, why do I not have energy? That's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so like, that's, that's really important to understand. Yeah. It's like you, they, you with, extrapolate on that too, Caleb. I want to hear your take as well. Yeah. Just from experience, but also from like research that I've seen as well, like the and truly endurance athletes have seen some benefit with sort of a, a lower carbohydrate intake because they're, you talk about this uh, term of being fat adapted. Your, your body just gets more right. efficient at mm -hmm. using fat as a primary energy source over carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. um, and what fat adapted means that your, your body's able to produce ATP using other energy sources, like even ketone bodies or whatever. And so, right. um, so your brain's not going to be fog and your body will function. Okay. But, um, that means your, your body is able to produce enough, say like ketone bodies, um, enough ATP to do a really short, intense energy bout, like using that first energy pathway, mm -hmm. it's able to get enough stored ATP there. Um, and it's adapted to, for any of that endurance related stuff. So that means for a long-term, like a, a long distance endurance athlete, where you're not necessarily going very intense, you're just trying to set one pace and keep it. Um, they can do that because you're already, that's going to be the primary substrate that you're going to want to use. That primary energy source is going to be fat during that exercise. Right. Um, but if it gets glycolytic at all, where you're in sort of that, that short uh, range where it's like more than just, you know, 10 seconds, right. And it's sort of just in that few minute range, or it's like in, you know, like a, say like a crossfit workout where it's like from, you know, three to 20 minutes on, typically where it's like you have a lot of explosive efforts that's getting super glycolytic. Mm -hmm. And so what's going to happen is like your energy is going to tank. You're going to struggle. Mm -hmm. You're not going to feel strong. And also from an injury risk perspective, when your glycolytic system gets fatigued, so mm -hmm. does your position, right. uh, your technique just goes to trash because mm -hmm. you're, you don't feel strong. You're not strong enough to keep a position anymore because the energy right. pathway is exhausted. So uh, that's why like when it comes to like those field sports with a lot of explosive efforts, even basketball, where it's like right. very aerobic, but it has a lot of explosive efforts. Mm -hmm. um, you have to use that glycolytic system a lot. And so um, that's to say like interesting. Eat, yeah. eat your carbs, find the right balance that works for you. It doesn't mean you right. have to eat a lot of carbs, but no. it's just find what, is enough to fuel what fitness and energy you need to have. Right. And can I, can I expand on that real quick? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I just, uh, I actually have one of my classes, listen to a podcast uh, about this and um, the podcast is called the drive. It's from a guy named Peter Atia who does a great job with like long-term health. He's an MD, but he had a guy on who's a PhD physiologist who works at the university of Colorado med center. Um, and his last name is San Milan. So if you're looking for that podcast, go to the drive, just type in San Milan, it should pull it up. I'll but, put links to these in the show notes also. Okay, very cool. So that podcast, um, San Milan was a professional cyclist in Italy. So, or Spain, he's, he's a European guy who's a professional cyclist 
road cyclist, I call it a bicycle or bicycle. Um, and then he stopped, he got into science and got his PhD. And now he does a ton of research on lactate and diabetes. So the, the super interesting part is even though people who eat a high fat diet and get fat adapted, those people can get better in that, um, that aerobic pathway, but the best people in the world at the aerobic pathway are cyclists. They're basically, they, their mitochondria uh, function perfectly because of the amount of work they have to do, right? Mm -hmm. Those athletes cannot be on keto diets or they fail. So even these super aerobic athletes um, during a workout or training session, they'll eat those goo, those goo things that are just oh, yeah. simple sugars, just pure carbs. <laughs> they'll just eat straight sugar and they will eat between 1500 and 2000 grams of just straight sugar during a training session. Wow. And so that, like, if I did that, I'd be diabetic in a week. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, and, and so even though they're heavily working in that third energy pathway, they're still heavily carb dependent because it's a faster energy source. Hmm. Right. So just keep that in mind. Also, if you're kind of on a low carb diet and you find yourself getting a lot of muscle soreness, there's some research out there that shows that because that glycogen stored within muscle cell and it brings water in. So it's thought that that helps recovery and, and from muscle soreness as well. So if you're on a super low carb diet and getting really sore, you might want to try to add some carbs as well. I think it just kind of brings light to you. Like why, um, I mean, low carb diets are not all, all bad themselves. You can def no. definitely get results from them, but, um, I think most diet dietitians and nutrition coaches would say that, um, they're designed to be more temporary in nature rather mm -hmm. than long-term. Yeah. Um, so, but that's, I mean, that's super interesting, but okay. So like back to the energy systems and stuff, like we could go on nutrition tangent, right. <laughs> but, um, let's say you're in a broad fitness program, like a functional fitness type program, any type of setup with CrossFit or another brand or anything like that. Um, okay. and you want to, develop in an area of weakness but you're trying to maintain every area like you want to be fit in everything so right. like whether it's a long long distance or type work or your intervals or gymnastic skills or weightlifting um how do you like program bias into that program yeah um so that's where that tactical manual i would refer people to that just if you want a really good read on it uh but it's there's something called training residuals so your, your, your aerobic pathway, your basically it's energy pathway dependent, right? So strength has longer residuals than cardiorespiratory endurance because the response is more long-term. It's a, a neurological response where you recruit motor units and you build in motor, motor pathways. So that lasts a long time. So that if means you, you lose strength slower than you lose your cardiovascular okay. ability. Yeah. Correct. Correct. All right. Yeah. So your, your strength gains will stay with you longer. Yeah. Right. Your cardiovascular ability, well, you probably have noticed this. Anybody who's on here trains, I'm sure if you've been out of, you know, any kind of conditioning type work for a few weeks, and then you go back to it, you're like, Oh my gosh, I feel terrible. <laughs> <So right? hard. laughs> because you lose those adaptations a little bit quicker. Yeah. So you can kind of attack this from different ways. If you're in a GPP program, um, like CrossFit, uh, and you're doing it three days a week. Um, I would look at which three days you're doing because every gym programs differently. Um, if I was just going to specifically program and I wanted to be broad in my application, but for example, I'm, I'm weak, right. Or I'm not as strong as I want to be. Then I'm going to probably have a three day program, one cardiorespiratory endurance, one more work capacity. And when I say work capacity, that's second energy pathway. 
right? Mm -hmm. So if I say a work capacity workout, it's more second energy pathway driven. And then a strength day, um, I'm going to add a strength day, right? So I'm in my program, I'm going to go from a three day to a four day, and then I'm going to add an extra strength day in, uh, likely right before my work capacity day, <laughs> because right after your work capacity day, you have the most muscle breakdown. So you have, you need the most recovery, mm -hmm. right? So you, you need longer recovery time if you do a really high volume day. So that's how I would, that's how I program things. So if I'm trying to work on something specifically, I'll add an extra day. If you're super fit and you, I want your take on this after this, Caleb. Um, but if, if you're super fit and your body can take more work, uh, and you want to add an extra training session in, I wouldn't add it in. Like, for example, if you want to add two, a two training day or a, a two training session day in, right. You, you don't want to, if you want the absolute best results, you want to separate those training sessions by at least four hours, four to five hours. So you can get the maximum out of each one instead of trying to combine them because then your body doesn't seem to adapt as well because you're throwing two different stimuli at it. Right. So Caleb, what's, what's your take on that? Uh, super true. Like with someone who has a really high capacity, someone who's maybe a professional athlete, um, mm -hmm. you don't want to do like a really high, like endurance type session and do a strength session all in one training period. Right. Like, uh, the most successful professional athletes will separate them on like from morning to evening. Like mm -hmm. they'll either they'll, whatever their preference is, if they're a morning person, they might do the strength in the morning. Right. If they're not a morning person, they might do a strength work in the evening. Uh, but they'll have like more of a endurance. You might call it like the morning mono morning mono structural, where it's just right. like you, you, uh, just do a long <laughs> gritty kind of endurance workout. Um, in the morning or in the evening on the opposite end of the day, you do uh, more of your strength work. Um, but that allows them to refuel, recover, take a nap, you know, and that's if you're a professional athlete and you have that kind of time. Right. Yeah. Um, but for majority of people, like people who want to be a part of like a CrossFit gym, a lot of times they go like five, six days a week, just because it's part of their routine, which right. I could go on a whole nother tangent about like, don't overtrain yourself. you like your workouts, you get less from your workouts. If you train six days in a week at that kind of a high intensity, but right. Uh, what, I would end up programming is like, if I'm trying to program bias, then, uh, for that kind of community, like what I end up doing is we'll have, uh, if people are coming, you know, at least five days in a week, mm -hmm. then I'm going to say like, wow, okay. I'm going to end up, if I'm biasing towards that first energy pathway, I want to develop some strength, some, maybe even some hypertrophy and people I'm going to have, um, three days out of the five days, they're going to end up being a little bit more strength related um, sure. so you'd have like maybe we're following a, a periodized strength cycle something to develop your strength a specific area that i've noticed the entire community or something or a specific athlete has if i'm doing a personal training and uh you would uh and everybody wants to feel like they got a workout right so we just have like a finisher which is like three minutes long max right. so it's still sort of biasing more towards that short energy pathway um rather than totally like crushing their work capacity or making them super sore for several days. Right. So, um, and then, so the other two days, one would be more of an act and I would put those, uh, heavy, more heavy days, like bookended toward at least three days gap in between. That's definitely right. something that's more of a conjugate methods from West side. Yeah. Uh, barbell. So, <laughs> um, 
because that having at least three days gap gives your central nervous system a chance to recover. And you're ready to actually hit it. That if you try to put them too much close, like too much, uh, like too close together, it's going to be, it's going to wreck you. You're going to end up right. hurting yourself. So, um, so the other two training days, I would have, you know, one, um, more work capacity day. Maybe that's a little, a little bit towards the front end of the week. So you have mm -hmm. a chance to recover for that second, um, right. tough, um, heavy day and then uh the other session is aerobic where but it's more designed as sort of like a active recovery day we're right. just gonna kind of move today you'll feel like you got to work out but i'm not breaking you right um and if it's more of an energy like trying to build a work capacity uh, not as much strength or something i might only have two heavy strength days an entire month and we're working in those work capacity and those aerobic type workouts doing a lot more skill work gotcha um, and uh develop especially on the work capacity days that second energy path day like i really want to do heavy skill work to make sure you're moving well mm -hmm. and the more uh endurance based workouts going to be like just simple movements so i just want you to move a lot right so, <laughs> um, so that's kind of like how i end up biasing that um in a workout but i like your just the simple concept of like if you want to develop a weakness just put an extra day in there in a certain training week. And that can help right. someone plan a little bit. Um, if they can see like, if they're part of a gym that releases their workouts for the entire week, if right. you want to work on a certain weakness, then like you want to make sure you attend on these certain days where you're working right. on that weakness. Yep. Yeah. Very, yeah. Super simple. What's the goal? Where do you want to get better? You, it's kind of a, it's not just training, right? It's pretty much everything in life. You want to get better at something, you need to spend some more time on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, kind of an opposite question with this is like, if you don't bias at all, um, are you going to develop any of those weaknesses? Uh, well, it's, if you've been doing the same thing for a while and you're not, you're probably not going to, right. If, if you've been at the same gym for a while and you notice a weakness that stays a weakness, then it's, it, it might not be everybody else's. It might be specific to you there's might be just some reason that you're, you need, cause everybody responds differently to training, right? That's the other thing, just like with diet, everybody responds a little bit differently. Um, I could, even when I was younger, I couldn't handle as much volume as other people. So I would have to take more rest days um, than my counter, some of my counterparts who I try to compete against. Right. Cause in CrossFit, you know, okay, that's the person that I'm competing with. Let's go, let's get after it. And it makes it fun. Um, but I noticed even then, cause I banged myself up a couple of times. I was like, I, I know how I'm feeling and I'm just not quite recovered. It might be because I wasn't sleeping as good as I should, or I wasn't eating as well, but no matter what the reason was, I recognized it and I took an extra day. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think if you're tracking everything, like I, if, like you should be right at, at most gyms, here's, here's what I did for my workout. So you can see your progression over time. If you've hit a wall, um, and you're not improving in that area, if you don't end up biasing it or changing something, then it's unlikely to change. That's what I would say. Man, good stuff. Good energy system talk. I think that will give uh, something for a lot of people to chew on. So I might get more questions after this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I want to, I want to get feedback on this and see what, what else uh, people want to learn about this or what else we could talk on if we get on a podcast again. Sure. But good stuff man hey thanks for watching i hope this was a real benefit to you today and i'm excited for the next podcast we have coming up next week but 
Man, think about what you had today. Think of one thing that you might take away from this, how this might apply to your training, your coaching, or even just the way you approach exercise and understanding your own body and how it's responding to what you're doing and what kind of goals you want to aim for. But if you really want a coach to come alongside you, then I would love to be one of those coaches who comes alongside you as a part of your team to help you reach your goals and ultimately have a better fitness lifestyle. Let's keep leveling up.